You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled A Bulletproof Chargeback Management Strategy and features experts from Chargebacks 911 and Vindisha. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, wherever you are today. Welcome to the webinar, Creating a Bulletproof Chargeback Management Strategy for Your Subscription Business, brought to you by Vendisha and Chargebacks 911. We're glad you could be with us this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. There's been a lot of change over the last three or four months, and chargebacks is not the least of them. Uh, with a pandemic that hit us squarely between the eyes in early March, we've seen so much change. And creating a bulletproof management strategy is important. What we've seen is sort of a stress test with uh, people being forced to go online, uh, maybe in more mass than they ever have in the past. I know the Wall Street Journal and Forbes came out and said the online economy gained 10 years worth of users in just three months. They say it's advanced that quickly with uh, everybody moving online. Well, that caused a lot of issues with chargebacks, and we're going to talk about a few of those today and how to prepare for those. But first, let me just introduce um, who we are. My name is Don Bush. I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing here at Chargebacks 911. We've been doing this for over a decade. Uh, We know what we're doing in the world of chargebacks across 27 different verticals uh, internationally, uh, integrations with almost any issuing and acquiring bank you can think of, payment processors, CRMs, all this to make that international coverage and recovery of revenue and avoidance of chargebacks number one in the industry. So we've got uh, some experts with us today as well. As I started to say, the challenges of chargebacks have grown bigger and bigger and bigger and have started to accelerate over the last few months. We are um, seeing an average cost of merchants of 313% for the cost of fraud when you start looking at fraud increases. The chargebacks are costing $100 billion a year. Nearly 80% of chargebacks can be traced to friendly fraud or or what's considered first-party fraud. You know, 81% of customers have shown that if they get away with charging something back, they'll do it again within the next 60 days. That's a problem. We're training folks to do things that are poor consumer behavior. Managing chargebacks have become a costly part of our business as well. It's no longer just a line item on on our budget as we go annually. But as we get into this, let me introduce the folks that will be presenting to you today. Today we've got Trace Galloway, VP Solutions Specialist at Vendisha. Hi, Trace. Good morning. Hi, Don. Good morning. Nice to be here. Great to have you on with us. Uh, We've also got Harlan Hudson, Director of Partnerships and Brands here at Chargebacks 911. Harlan, welcome. Hey, how are you, Don? Trace, good to see you guys. Talk with you. Doing great. Glad to have you guys here. Uh, Here's what we're going to cover today, Um, and I want to set a few ground rules for us. This is going to be more of a conversation than it is going to be a lecture. So you'll see Trace and Harlan and myself talk about uh, different topics, as you see here. But in your panel, your GoToWebinar control panel, you'll see something there that allows you to ask questions. Please feel free to write a question in there anytime during the presentation. If there's something we present or a slide that you see something you've got a question on, you've got a comment, feel free to add those there and we'll acknowledge those and answer those questions as best we can. At the end, we will have a Q&A session, so feel free to uh, wait till the end as well. But we want to make this as as town hall-y, if that's a word, as we can as we go through this um, to make sure we answer folks' questions. But what's changed today? What have we seen change over the last, not only few months, but few years? How should I prepare with chargeback management strategies? And then more more, um, specifically here, the subscription business. 
what are those successful strategies for acquisition, retention uh, in this changing world that we're seeing uh, today? So the first thing I want to talk about is what's changed with the consumer. You know, uh, I've read some research and some studies. eMarketer did something uh, about a month ago that said, in the last 90 days, we've seen as many, uh, and depending on the industry, as much as 40 to 50% uplift in new customers joining the online e-commerce marketplace. One, because they've been forced to. But Harlan, as we start thinking about consumers through the years and over the last few months, a lot has changed with them, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, lots has changed. Uh, hey, Don, maybe I'm not on the right screen, but I'm not seeing the screenshots, the, the deck here, so maybe you could do that. But uh, just as you're looking at that, lots has changed. Uh, really, if you think about uh, the last 90 days, the last four months, the last six months, the world has completely changed. The world has complained in a lot of different respects. Uh, from uh, a pandemic that shut down most of the, uh, you know, the economy, if, if, if you can imagine that, as I know you can, it shut it down, but it's driven people to do things they've never done before. They've increased their online buying. I mean, that's a huge thing. And there are, there are, there are merchants right now that are taking advantage of that, uh, not just because they can, but because the consumers need to do that. I'm sure, Trace, that you're seeing this as well with your subscription businesses. Uh, there must be a, an incredible increase in subscription businesses for not just for the things you need, but the things that you want. Is that is that happening uh, for your clients yeah. as well? Yeah, Harlan, it's absolutely happening. You know, here at Vendicia, we're we're fortunate enough to actually work with clients across a variety of different industries, and you know, in some cases, particularly, I think you know, health and wellness, or fitness, or uh, even in the over the top industry, and those clients that we work with, they're seeing a surge right in their subscription customer bases and then in their offerings and we've got other clients that we work with that unfortunately are are not enjoying it and are in fact feeling the the exact opposite so it is it is a very very unique time uh since uh you know since roughly mid-march uh of this year it's uh it, you know we're in we're in kind of a very very unique industry and it's it's impacted everything from subscription offerings on the front end to the way even you know some of the billing works that we manage here uh, at Vendicia. And of course, as we're gonna talk about today, it's, it's dramatically impacting uh, the chargeback industry. Yeah, and, um, and I just I just want to make sure. Hold one second, Harlan. Trace, can you see the slides on the screen? I can't. I can't, Don. Yeah, I was trying to text you that we're so we're not. I, you I know think what? I'm gonna while you guys are talking, I'm gonna end my show and start it again and see if that changes something. Please let me know, okay? But feel free to keep talking, and I will redo this while you're going. Sorry about that. All right, Harlan. Yeah. Do you want to tell them that joke that you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two, two subscription merchants walk into a bar. No, that, that's not a joke. Uh, seriously, though, tell us. Uh, so when I think about uh, a subscription business, right, I think about how that, that business is created and the model around it. And as we see this, more people going online, right, uh, Trace? We see people who are, who are not familiar with this model. First thing that I would be thinking about is, great, we have new business, but what are the consequences of that related to, you know, things like chargebacks, things like fraud, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm sure you're seeing a lot of new customers, but that creates its own problems, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, it's, you know, the, the subscription trend in general continues. I think in some ways it's been uh, accelerated to a certain extent. Uh, we certainly have clients that we're working with now who are uh, looking to roll out uh, new subscription offerings or their subscription offerings uh, more quickly, particularly as it service, you know, as they serve a, a stay at home uh, environment, right? That we have uh, pretty much around the world these days. So we're seeing that be, be accelerated. As I mentioned, the, the chargeback rates, you're definitely seeing those, uh, you know, those being being higher. And just, I guess, you know, to a certain extent in, in many of the folks that we work with in the industries that I talked about, 
you know, things are sort of amplified right now. There's, there's, there's either more volume or there's much less volume. There's different payment methods. There's different, it's just a, it, 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 there's almost all facets of the business right now are, uh, are different uh, and unique. Yeah. yeah. Well, let yeah, me throw I something else at you here, Trace, because as we start seeing more people come online, uh, volume happening, here's what happened is uh, we were clicking along normally at about a 18 to 20% growth as e-commerce. That's about normal. And then we saw this huge spike. We saw, you know, 20 to 27% month over month growth when we start talking about chargebacks. Add something like this to the mix when we start talking about what are consumers doing. You see that, Harlan? Yeah, and and that's a great that's a great point. First of all, consumers are overwhelmed. We've said that they're adopting new technology, so the technology piece is super important there, right? They do feel entitled, right, because they come with expectations, but also I think that there's an element of boredom, right? So they they're sitting at home, especially in the early days of this. And there's a, there's there's just all of this news and bad news and more bad news and pretty soon they're saying oh I can't afford the pizza that I just bought right I can't afford to pay my uh, bill for example whatever that bill might happen to be or this recurring subscription that I'm doing with this clothing uh, group where I'm getting new clothes every month wow that's great but guess what. I can't afford this right now because I don't know if I'll have a job tomorrow. So then they start looking on the internet, which again is a great way to find good stuff, but it also can lead to this. Hey, teach me how to do chargebacks, right? How do I charge back this pizza? That's a thing. And I'm sure it's happening in the subscription business, but we're seeing it as a result of this new paradigm of instant gratification, entitlement, and fear. I think there's a kind of a, uh, you know, a mass hysteria almost related to some of these things. So, so super important. Um, yeah, so we, what has changed as we start looking at that? You yeah. know, um, some of these things are exacerbated, but they're not new. Um, 84% of customers, according to our research, and we see millions of transactions, millions of chargebacks that we go through, 84% of consumers contact their bank first before they call the merchant. That's, uh, that's not great. Uh, obviously, banks have made it easier for consumers to either get a hold of them or contact them or done better education with them. Uh, we've got some work to do there. Issuers have reported a 33% increase uh, in chargebacks. Um, we see in the last 90 days chargebacks up 27% month over month. That's not year over year, month over month, which is dramatic. Um, and the management of chargebacks has gotten even more complex with Visa and MasterCard buying different technologies and trying to put those in place. It's really starting to, uh, to cause what I call, uh, I know they call this the chargeback flywheel. I call it the chargeback death spiral. Uh, Harlan, you know what I mean? Yep, uh, for sure. I mean, again, we've talked a lot about uh, the, the increase in volume. We talked about the increase in people who have not experienced the technology, who have not used it, uh, being forced to use it basically, right? So that leads to a lot of these uh, kind of life cycle of the chargeback, right? Um, you've got disputes increasing. Why? Because people don't understand sometimes what happened. They don't understand they got into a subscription, for example. Yeah, they click some buttons, they paid for some stuff. Now in the third month, they're being billed another $100 for a case of wine, and they haven't drank the wine from the last month, right? So then there's a growing threat. What is that threat? It's just not just not profit, but it's also a threat to your merchant accounts. If your merchant accounts get uh, sort of stressed in terms of your, your chargeback to transaction threshold, that's a threat to your business, not just your profit, right? Um, you've got to look out for the, the lifetime value of 
every customer. And, and, and Trace, this is a big one for subscription merchants, right? It's not just a one time sale, one off deal. It's how do we preserve uh, a customer that's new to the system coming in, they don't understand what they've done, but now all of a sudden they're charging back. How do we, how do we handle that? And I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. Yeah, so I mean, ACLV is is one of the key metrics, right? That that we work with uh, our merchants on, and that certainly our merchants that we work with uh, look at, because it's you know it, it, how it, it, there's a significant cost to acquiring new subscribers or to bringing people into your programs. You want to have good delivery of service. I'm going to talk about this uh, a little bit later on in our presentation today, but to the extent that people you know are charging back. And you're seeing that you know that's why it's so important to pay attention to the to the chargeback rates and where your chargebacks are coming from, which I'm also going to touch upon a little bit, because it'll really help indicate you know places in the business that you need to potentially make improvements, right, to help reduce that. And it's not to say that there isn't a healthy amount of chargebacks that should come in. Uh, yep. There are right a, a healthy chargeback rate, but at the same time, what are we doing to to take care of? customers that are that are charging us back or you know at that point you know what could we have done to have prevented that chargeback is really what we work with our clients on what are the things that you can do do you make it easy for people to opt out of your service to cancel your service are your t's and c's clear right those kinds of things that can help mitigate those chargebacks before they come become chargebacks because as you said in the previous slide you know 84 percent of folks are contacting their bank as opposed to contacting the merchant. Are you making it easy for, for your customers to contact you? When they see the charge on their credit card statement, it doesn't have your name, doesn't have your phone number on it. Are you making it as easy as possible in that soft descriptor to call your phone number as opposed to calling American Express, right? Because once they get you on the phone, then hopefully your customer care reps will be able to take care of the issue before it ever becomes a, a chargeback for them. So those are the yeah. kind of things that, that we work with our clients on, yeah. You know, Trace, you bring up some really good points there, uh, lifetime value, and the, the things you talk about are symptoms of a chargeback problem. They're not calling me, they're calling the bank. They're not doing this, they're doing that. Those are symptoms of a chargeback problem that we're either not addressing for a number of reasons, and we'll cover some of those here in just a minute, merchant, uh, merchant issues, true fraud, and then there's the friendly fraud side of this. The other side, when you start talking about the chargeback flywheel or death spiral, is reputational damage with your payment provider. If you have too many chargebacks, you're not addressing them properly, they have to assume that there's a lot of risk there that they may increase your um, your saving, your account with yeah, them that you've got to have an escrow and so forth. Exactly, that's exactly right, right? It, it, it is very, higher chargeback rates are detrimental to your relationship with your payment processor, which is actually another, uh, whole topic that I have uh, uh, for us to discuss and some comments around that as well. It, it, is, uh, it is detrimental across the board. It is often an early indicator that you've got some change that you've made that's having a detrimental impact to the business or you've just got some underlying business model or business uh, you know, delivery issues that, uh, that you want to address. And you, you guys yeah. are absolutely right. You talked about it before. The, the you know with with the way social media works today um, you know there's it, it's, not, it's not this is certainly for chargebacks but um, if a company you know if you're able to charge back the word is going to spread right the word is going to get out there um, to, to right. there's a way to game a particular system or whatever that word is is absolutely uh, going to spread in any number of, of different online forums or social media uh, and so forth so it's important to make sure you're you know, you've you've got the the controls in place uh, at, at your business. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We we've got a question come in, and I want to address it here because I think it meets uh, it, it it fits here. Uh, what do we mean by merchant accounts being stressed? Can you lose? Can your mid be canceled? Let me let me start with that, and then I'm going to pass it over to you, Harlan. And then if Trace, you've got a a, a comment. When we talk about a merchant account being stressed. Prior to March, let's just use that as our, as our example. We're going along, you've got a chargeback rate that's uh, you know 20 basis points, everybody's happy. All of a sudden, March hits, our volume quadruples, and we've seen it in some industries go up tenfold. 
Well, even if your chargebacks stay at the same ratio, your volume of chargebacks has gone up. Now, worse could be that your chargeback gets out of whack in ratio. And when we say by stressing a merchant account, it means that that ratio does get out of whack. We're not, right. We don't have the staff on hand to manage the number. We're letting them run out. We're getting that reputational damage. Harlan, what else happens there? Well, one of the main things that happens is that, especially in a pandemic, and we saw this in the, the travel industry in particular, but many other retail organizations uh, as well, that the chargebacks went up, right? But the transaction count went down. Exactly. Now, when we think about how a the chargeback to transaction ratio, in other words, what the 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 brands, Visa, MasterCard, et cetera, use to say whether you're breaching, in other words, you're out of compliance with the proper balance of chargebacks to transaction. When your chargeback transaction count goes down, but the chargebacks themselves in count goes up, you're likely to find yourself in trouble. You're gonna be breaching potentially the CTR for one brand or the other, right? And they calculate them slightly different, but the idea is the same, right? People are not uh, transacting more, they're transacting less, but they're chargebacking more. So it's, it's, it's so, so easy to get a merchant account under stress, getting breached. Then you have potential reserves, which drains your cash flow because the new transactions coming in, they're taking money so they can handle the risk. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen to stress that merchant account. And eventually, if you don't take care of it, you can get a TMF, which is a terminated merchant file. You're done. You can't transact on that. Now, where are you at? So it's very important to pay attention to those kinds of statistics in a, in a crisis like this. So they can cancel your mid. I think um, it's not a very published thing, but I know at least one card brand w admitted to this much. They said in 2019, they closed, canceled, or denied access to using their brand on more than 10,000 websites because they could not get their stuff in line. Yep. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not good. That, that's, that's the nuts and bolts of it. So how do I prepare? What do I do to get ready? Because of course we don't have pandemics every year, hopefully that's not going to be a, a new thing, but we do have things like um, we have special event days. We've got the fourth quarter coming up. What can I do to make my management strategy more solid, no matter what comes, what is in the way? Well, we educate ourselves, of course, on the consequences. We've, we've talked a little bit about that. We'll talk some more. You know, assess what you are able to do internally. Do I need external resources? You know, the reason that Vendisha and Chargebacks 911 got together is for this, and that is to collaborate. How can we use the collaborative strength of Vendisha, Chargebacks 911, your payment processor, you know, putting all of them on your side to help fight this, uh, this issue. And then what are you going to do with that strategy phased approach over the long term? So to prepare, we think there's a few steps that you've got to go through and we'll start going through these now. First of all, conduct an internal audit and we'll give you some very specific stuff on that to look at. Create specific plans. When we start looking at where chargebacks come from and what causes them, each one of those um, issues needs a plan to mitigate and monitor uh, and adjust. And then we target the ROI. Are we getting what we need from that? Now, Harlan, when we start talking about where do chargebacks come from, we generally look at them from three buckets. Do you want to explain those? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, this is a pretty simple graph. I think people will understand it immediately. Uh, number one, you've got to assess any processes that you as a merchant are uh, doing as a, as a matter of your daily business that are leading to chargebacks. And we call those merchant errors. Actually, we have a very specific uh, sort of 
acronym for it, ERT, error, that's merchant error, risk, processor risk, or threat, revenue threat. A revenue threat, as an example, might be uh, refund not processed. If you're not processing your refunds on a, uh, a, a very timely basis, you're gonna get a charge back. If your customer service uh, sort of script is not in line with what is the reality of a refund, you're gonna get a charge back. So merchant error, you gotta fix those, right? The second thing you need to look at is your criminal fraud. Look, if you don't have a, if you're an online merchant in particular, but even, uh, you know, you've got to watch for risks uh, at the point of sale, especially around buy online, pick up in store. And there's a lot, there's some variance there, but online, if you don't have either your own internal filters and some rules like using ABS, bill to ship to that kind of thing, you're gonna you're gonna get chargebacks, and you're gonna get the wrong kind. You're gonna get true criminal fraud, right? And then finally, once you've done those two things, it should filter out that the rest of those you should dispute, and you should win as many as you can, get the money back when you can. So when we start talking about an internal audit, this is one of the things. Um, you know, Harlan and I have had the opportunity to literally speak around the world to thousands of merchants and, and some of the courses we put on. And it's amazing to me how many folks have not in the past 30, 60, 90 days gone online and bought their own product. Yep. Sign up, buy it, try and return it, try and exchange it, try to get a refund, try to do, you know, what your consumer would do, do it. Go online and try that. Look at the processing. What are the descriptors on your bill? How long did you have to wait online? Did you send an email and was it responded to? What about shipping errors? You know, these types of things, they seem really um, ordinary and, and, of course, obvious. But I think there's a lot of us out there that don't do that. Would you agree? 100%. I mean, this is this should be standard operating procedure. You know, I'm re recalling what they used to call secret shoppers, right? Uh, and, and the retail stores, I'm sure, do this still. But you should be your own secret shopper. You should be going online and looking and seeing what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? That will tell you more about why you're getting chargebacks or why people are canceling uh, your, your subscriptions, whatever it is. That will tell you a lot because it might even tell you why they're abandoning the cart. Yeah, I mean, Trace mentioned this earlier, and, and that was um, if you've got issues with your, uh, we're going to talk about this in a minute, customer support. Hey, I ordered red. I got green. I ordered the three-month thing. I got charged for the six-month thing. I'm just looking to get... If I'm on hold for very long, I'm probably going to hang up and call my bank. Would you agree, Trace? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So if you're on hold for too long and you're frustrated about something, uh, consumers are generally going to find another path, right, to 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 alleviate their frustration. Um, in addition to that, in, in customer support, it's also important to make sure that your care reps have the tools they need to take care of the issue to give a refund if necessary, or to give a credit if necessary, or to you know, easily transition someone and make sure that they get the green product that they ordered instead of the red one. And here's how the RMA process works for you to send me back the red one, and I'm shipping you the green one today, and, right? And take care of it. And we've all had, as consumers, we've all had good, right? Uh, customer service interactions with companies. Uh, in some cases you walk away thinking, wow, that was fantastic. Love these guys. And you become a super loyal customer who's likely to then, you know, promote that brand and, and, and talk to the, you know, to your peers about them. And we've all experienced the opposite. Um, and the opposite can have, you know, uh, a very, very damaging effect. So it is important that you do this. We certainly encourage all of our clients to, uh, to be buying their own products, to be experiencing what it is, to use their products. You know, in the software industry, they often refer to it as eat your own dog food, right? You've got to be using, yeah, your, that's true. using your own solutions uh, and doing that stuff. And and going through that that full experience. So, yeah. You know, we're gonna you're gonna hear this more and more from us during this webinar, and that's the last piece of the bullet here that says customer communications. How well do you communicate with customers? Because we're all customers. We all have been on the the bad end of the stick. 
where we try and get a hold of somebody and it's crickets. We don't hear anything. We don't see anything. They don't react to anything. Um, but if that's the case, they're going to assume the worst and do what they normally do, and that's call their bank. So we're going to talk more about customer communications. You know, one of the best examples Harlan hit on earlier, uh, I'm, a, I'm a diamond medallion with Delta. And when I called and they said it was a 42-minute wait during all this pandemic stuff, I hung up. And I went, ah, I know I shouldn't call my bank, so I'm going to hold off and do all this, but that stuff happens. Let's talk a little bit about the second step of our internal audit, and that is the criminal fraud that Harlan hit on a little bit. You know, this is an area that uh, I've been in this space for uh, better than a decade, and it amazes me that folks think that their criminal fraud settings are just like a Ron Popeil, set it and forget it. Once it's set, I don't have to worry about it. Criminal fraud changes daily, weekly. It, it, this is something that needs to be looked at on at least a quarterly basis. When the pandemic hit, we saw huge increases in fraud. Uh, everybody went online. Even the fraudsters went online in mass. You know, what are your current fraud settings? Uh, when you do your manual review process, there's lots of information you can gather there. Chargeback code, the reason codes, are they anomalies that signify outlier behavior or are they criminal fraud as they suspect? Harlan, anything to add on the criminal fraud piece of the audit? Um, yeah, I think it's super important to, to take a look at third-party vendors. Uh, lots of clients we find uh, have their own internal processes. Some of them are even sophisticated enough to have, uh, you know, built uh, fraud tools, software tools with uh, using machine learning or some other type of algorithmic process. But I think it's always good to to look for, and we don't we don't do anything on the fraud side, but to look at third party vendors. What are they doing? What are they accomplishing? Right through their AI. There's a lot of talk about, uh, uh, you know, AI these days. I mean, it seems to be like it's everywhere. But in reality, there are some things that they are doing that can can really seriously ramp up your defense against fraud. So I wouldn't count that out, even though you think you've got it uh, sort of nailed. I would really look at, at other options. Yeah, because fraudsters change their tactics, especially during what we're going through right now. What fraudsters that used to be doing uh, data breaches or account takeover all of a sudden go, hey, transaction fraud's where to be right now, so I'm going to jump over there. So take a look at that. That's another one of those internal audit things that we need to look at. The last one is I've got to look at what I do myself on friendly fraud. Are my customer policy, are my policies customer centric? Do I try to get my customers to call me first if there's an error? Or am I transparent about my policies? You know, do we proactively communicate with our customer? If they get a notice that's saying something's supposed to be delivered or they'll get it by Tuesday, and it doesn't show up on Tuesday, and you haven't communicated with them, they're going to start the process. Do I call my bank? Do I call them? Do I charge it back? Do I demand a refund? If you've sent them a note that says, hey, we apologize that Tuesday was our original delivery date, it's going to be there on Thursday, um, you've taken that out of the mix. Responding to those issues with communication is your best first opportunity. Yep. Responding, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think the proactive communication in COVID uh, is is really the key thing here because again remember people are uh, oftentimes they're they're not able to go out if there's you know severe shutdowns which are lifting these days but but in the early days we saw a lot of chargebacks taking place because a customer wanted a refund they couldn't go in to get the refund or if it was a travel thing they they were waiting online forever but those 
vendors, those merchants that actually send out uh, proactive communication. Here's what we're offering. Here's what we're doing. Da da da. We saw that that their chargeback rates were much lower. Very important to be proactive, especially when there's a difficult time. Yeah, and then you know, um, Trace mentioned it earlier. There is a level of healthy chargebacks. Uh, zero chargebacks probably is not the right number. Uh, it, it either means you're leaving sales on the table um, or your policies are so tight and so stringent that it's just not happening. So zero is wrong, but you do need to respond to every chargeback. And we talked about that reputational damage earlier this helps your payment processor understand you're on top of things. You are responding to everything. You're taking care of business. Um, you won't win them all. I'm not saying you'll win them all, but responding to everyone. Um, Harlan, oftentimes something happens here that is misleading to everybody, and it's called a chargeback reason code. Can you mm -hmm. talk about that for a minute? Yeah, so, so what we know from the data is that um, every chargeback comes in coded uh, with supposedly the actual reason that it uh, took place, the reason that the merchant or the, the cardholder is, is asking for their money back. The interesting thing is that the reason code is rarely indicative of the actual reason for the chargeback. What do I mean by that? About 55 to 80% of all chargebacks come in coded as fraud, unauthorized, not recognized, whatever it is. Those are all kind of uh, fraudulent uh, sort of types of reason codes. What we know, what we know about this is that, uh, first of all, the, the issuing bank that is that is uh, sending the chargeback doesn't have any data. All they have is a customer on the other end of the line saying, hey, I didn't do this. I don't know what this is. I don't recognize it. And on occasion, they don't recognize it. But then what the, what the uh, customer service rep at the bank is doing is they're just picking the thing, the, the reason code that's gonna be the most likely to result in the refunded money, and eventually uh, the merchant not disputing that. And that's often 10.4 with Visa, 4837 with MasterCard, whatever it is. And so we find that it's important to do our own analysis, and we actually have a process, but you should do your own analysis if you're doing your own chargebacks to say, does this really look like fraud? Does this really look like there's... Uh, a, a cardholder who has been duped here, that the account has been taken over, et cetera, et cetera, and then begin to make an assessment. That's what we do every day. And uh, we find that uh, only about up to 10% are actual true fraud. Well, that's uh, somewhat scary and somewhat enlightening, I guess. <laughs> so when we start to look at an audit, and we look through our merchant error, our criminal fraud, and our friendly fraud, what we see down at the bottom is we see our win rates for chargebacks increase. We get our merchant error under control, we get our fraud error under control, and we get our friendly fraud under control. We can now start seeing the fruits of that labor and better chargeback wins for um, our, our merchants, uh, our merchant account as we get going. So let's talk a little bit about what I should do to prepare a plan. And you know, there's two parts of this plan that we start looking at. One is preventing chargebacks, you know, that fence on the hill. The other is disputing chargebacks. You know, if it becomes a chargeback, how do I take care of it as quickly as possible? And as you look at the spectrum of your chargeback uh, uh, spectrum, you've got true criminal fraud all the way to true consumer fraud. You do have consumers that try and, you know, cyber shoplift, that happens, and we've got to be able to uh, mitigate those and, and uh, limit those and how they happen. But most of them are going to happen in that meaty middle part where we talk about friendly fraud. You know, we've talked about creating a plan. Each one of those steps that we talk about need a specific plan. My criminal fraud strategy, 
My plan is I'm going to go sit down with the fraud team. I'm going to see what has changed, what is happening, what we can do uh, to update that. My plan for merchant error is to go online, buy my own product, and run through it just like a consumer and see where I can fix things. And friendly fraud, we've talked about some of those things. We mentioned collaborate. Meet with the team internally. Grab your payment processor. Grab your fraud team. Grab your uh, customer service team. Sit them down in a room and say, here's what's happening. How do we best, how do, how do we minimize these types of things? Meet with customer service. Earlier, we talked about, uh, I think Trace mentioned, are you using some of the tools your processor might have that you're not using today? Um, what tools and strategies can prevent chargebacks and what do we do to respond to every chargeback? And then one of the last things, and this, I'm going to ask you a question on this, Harlan, is how do we determine whether we've got the resources in-house or whether this is something that we might want to outsource as we go forward? Yeah, uh, great question. I think, I think the first question you have to ask is this, the business that I'm in, am I in the business of representing chargebacks? Um, if, if the answer is no, I'm in the business of selling widgets and I have this uh, subscription model and I do this and I do that, then I think the first thing is to understand whether or not you want to be in that business. Why do I say that? We have a saying, uh, Don and I, uh, I think Don made this up. I'm going to give you attribution is become an expert or hire one. And, and for us, if you're going to do your own chargebacks, you must be an expert. That means reading the 3,000 you know, pages of MasterCard chargeback rules, compelling evidence, you know, all that stuff. The visa rules, the American Express rules, discover uh, you have to be an expert or you have to hire it. And I think that's the, those are the two things. Do I want to be in this business because you'd better do this full time in order to understand it? Or do I need to to outsource it because I want to do I want to sell my widgets and build better better widgets? Yeah, most people didn't get into business to manage chargebacks, so it is something to think about. We start thinking about um, what this means: our ROI, uh, the advantages to proper dispute management. You know, we prevent disputes before they're filed. You know, am I making effective? use of things like alerts that can stop disputes before they become chargebacks. What am I doing to challenge suspected friendly fraud and recover revenue that rightfully should be mine? You know, one of the things we don't often take into consideration is all the costs that go into acquiring a customer and then to have them charge something back illegitimately, that ha there's a lot of hidden costs there that we need to remember. And then do I have accurate, actionable data? I want to be able to analyze this. Trace hit on this earlier, and that is, if I'm getting too many chargebacks, is it because I have a customer service problem? Do I have a shipping problem? Do I have a warehouse problem? With that accurate data, now I can go back and look at this and say, where do I need to fix things? Or where is the symptoms that are causing this problem? Benefits are really easy. Increased recovery, lower chargebacks, fewer false declines, data-driven decisions. It's, um, it, it's easy to see those once you've got them underway. It's hard to see them from the other side. But with that, I want to go into um, what Trace is calling a holistic retention strategy. And I'm going to let Trace go through this with us uh, as he starts to talk more specifically about your subscription business. Trace? Thanks, Don. I appreciate that, and uh, and Harlan. So, you know, that's exactly what where I wanted to dovetail this in terms of uh, talking a little bit at a, at a different level around subscriber management and, and as a provider of a subscriber management and billing platform, as well as a solution to help you um, resolve, you know, failed payments uh, in advance of of any chargebacks that may occur downstream. Right? We think about things from a holistic perspective. So when we bring people onto the platform. It's not just about the acquisition or about the retention, but it's also about you know an effective chargeback management program, which is all the things that we've been talking about so far. 
our re holistic retention strategy, and this is kind of a, a set of best practices and things that we share and talk to our clients about uh, throughout the next uh, set of slides here, starts with, you know, let's make sure you have clear terms and conditions, particularly for companies out there that, that don't, that, that have a no refund policy. You want to make sure that the, that policy is is present in your shopping experience, that consumers are looking at it, right? Most of us tend to just click through and click the accept button, right, automatically, but it needs to be there and be present on the page uh, and, and visible to the, to the consumer so that they can, you know, explicitly uh, accept those, those terms and conditions and they understand kind of what they are. What you also have to do, of course, is provide a great delivery of your service, whatever that is, as Don just said, you know, whether it's shipping physical goods or providing a, a you know, a, a digital service online, right? You need to provide excellent service to help reduce, you know, your active churn uh, that may occur um, in your customer base, but also to provide just that holistic, good customer experience from good service delivery, good customer care, and so forth. We strongly advocate at Vendicia as we think about the full kind of subscriber life cycle, right? Very, very strong a recycling strategy, particularly for credit card and debit card, which is the lion's share of the recurring billing that we see uh, here domestically in the US for sure, where credit and debit is very prevalent payment method, but also in, in, in most other parts uh, of the world. So, you know, we provide a set of best practices as well as, as tools and capabilities in our platform to help you make sure that you have an optimal, uh, you know, recycling strategy set up for your business so that you can capture as many successful transactions uh, as possible and reduce passive churn. Uh, and then of course this dovetails in to the full conversation that we're having around a strong, you know, chargeback awareness and prevention uh, set of tools uh, in place today to, to mitigate chargebacks or to be able to control chargebacks, if you will. Right, and that dovetails into uh, overall chargeback management um, for your company. So, as we go forward to the next slide, Don, right, one of the first things that we talk about, and we've mentioned this uh, already in the presentation, is you really need to get to know your payment processor. So, it's one thing to to be the person in finance or the person in billing responsible for your merchant account, right, for your for for your relationship with your acquirer. But do you really know the person that's looking after you on the other side of the fence, right, at, at your acquirer? Do you have a relationship with them? And, and if you don't, we would encourage you to develop one because they've got a wealth of industry knowledge, right? They can keep you up to date on changes um, and on different regulations as they change uh, moving forward, which happens very frequently uh, in this industry, right? They also have a strong understanding of of chargebacks, right? And one of the things that your relationship manager will do at the acquirer is pay attention to what your chargeback volumes are, right? And they can see, as Don said before, reputationally, hey, yeah, their chargebacks, you know, they these guys hover at, at the 0 0.6, 0 0.7, 0 0.8 range, which tends to be on the higher end. But at the same time, they fight aggressively, right? They fight a large percentage, if not all, of their chargebacks, and they're on top of this, meaning that for them, you know, that rate, while it is approaching the, the 1%, you know, roughly uh, threshold, it, it's also healthy for them because they are actively fighting it and they've developed a reputation as a company uh, that will fight, right? And that's that kind of goes right along with the strategic chargeback rate. As Don said before, zero is not the right number, <laughs> right? Not unless your business is going gangbusters and you just happen to have zero chargebacks. In general, right, there's going to be some volume of chargebacks and some volume of chargebacks is okay. That will differ to some degree from business to business and whatever your business models are and the way customers you know, interact with you and, and pay you. But there is generally a strategic chargeback rate. We, we talk anywhere from kind of 0.4 to 0.6, kind of in the middle there is usually pretty good. We've had clients that we work with that, that used our chargeback management, the services that we provided right, as a strategic marketing tool, right? And what I mean is that at certain times, they would essentially remove the safety features of their fraud solution on the front end, and they would acquire lots and lots and lots of new subscribers, right? They knew that that was gonna consequently raise their chargeback rates, so we would closely monitor that for them and say, hey, okay, you're getting up, you're at 0.9, you're at 1.0, stop. <laughs> and then they would crank it back down. Now the benefit for that business in their particular industry, have to be in the gaming industry, right? Was that they took on three times as many new subscribers as they would have 
if they had not done that. And so they used to do this, you know, on kind of almost a quarterly basis with us where they would sort of ease back on the restrictions or even the requirements for what information people needed to provide to sign up for the service and to join, right? They would see a boom in, in uh, new acquisitions, right? And consequently see a rise in their chargeback rates, but you can use it strategically uh, as a business. For the processors, you definitely need to see what tools these guys have, right? Every processor is gonna have a portal that you can log into. Many of you probably are already familiar with it. And in that portal, you'll be able to see your chargebacks. That's where they'll come in. That's the, that's the first line for you to go get visibility into the chargebacks that you're receiving. And then of course you can drive into them. And usually those portals also provide some ability for you to represent and fight those chargebacks uh, back, uh, back up to the, to the issuers, right? The final thing that I would mention here is that is that you know you need to be taking a look at your statements as well. We need to make sure that the chargebacks that you see, right, your reporting of chargebacks as you guys are recording them internally at your businesses, are consistent with what you're seeing on your monthly statement, right? And again, that's where the relationship with your uh, relationship manager at your acquirer will come into play, right? You want to be meeting with them and talking to them, not just about the industry stuff, but also about, hey, this is my bill this month. This is the number of chargebacks, right? And yep, that foots to what we're seeing on our side, and uh, and there's there's good consistency there. So that's on the payment processor side, right? For a kind of a best practice that we talk to our clients about. We also talk to folks about keeping good records. Okay, when it's time to fight a chargeback, right? And as Don said, you're not going to win all of them. But what factors into whether you win or lose a chargeback to a large extent is the evidence data that you provide back. So what you need to be doing is, is providing and keeping good records internally of usage of your services. When did someone log on? When did they log off? What did they watch? You know, for how long did they watch or you know, use the service and utilize the service? Because then you can prove when someone says service not delivered, that tends to happens to be the reason code, which we already established are, are, are iffy at best, right? If that is the established reason code, I can say, hey, you know what? They bought the service, they used the service. Here's the my proof that, that they actually used the service. What you can also find, and, and I kind of highlighted this in this little example here, is that in certain cases, right, you have the ability or, or, or a greater ability to win based upon certain factors. Things like, you know, if you're collecting CVV at the time you acquire a customer and you're submitting CVV and you get back a no match, but the issuer decides to authorize the transaction anyway, if that transaction subsequently becomes a chargeback at some point uh, in the future, you have a better than not chance of fighting that and winning it with the issuer. Because you can say, look, yes, I did CVV, I got a no match, but you authorized it anyway, right? You let the transaction go, uh, go through. And there are other cases like that, right? That keeping good records will help you, uh, will help you better understand uh, and improve your, your overall win rate, right? And knowing what that rate is, is really, like I said, is really critical. I gave you the example of the gaming company that we worked with. I, uh, you know, a healthy chargeback rate is, is really indicative of you having a good acquisition flow or a good sign-up flow. You're not asking for too much information or too little information, right? You've kind of got a healthy amount and you are, you've got the aperture on the front end opened as wide as possible because that's really the name of the game, right? I wanna be able to take as many customers in as I possibly can, right? Without having the negative consequences of too many chargebacks uh, on the other side. And it's something, you know, we work with clients about, you know, on this all the time. It's not just about, you know, what my offer page, I should offer a credit card and debit card and PayPal. And if I offer PayPal, well, geez, more, the people that wanted to use PayPal will sign up for my service. Yes, that's important, right? You should have, an optimum number of payment method options that people have so that you can gather, you know, collect as many uh, uh, subscribers as possible. And of course, that's very important as you move beyond the US into, into international markets, right? But you also need to make sure that, again, you're acquiring as many and minimizing uh, the, the chargeback rates. So understanding what your rate is will, will effectively help you do that. We talk a lot with our customers about listening to the, your clients, right? To your customers, review the documentation that comes in. In some cases, it can be very, very enlightening. Unfortunately, in many cases, it cannot, as, as Harlan was, was uh, talking about before, where <coughs> reason codes can often be misleading and are generally not the real reason the chargeback is coming in. But in some cases, you can see 
reason codes right start to gather in in uh, in cohorts and you're getting a lot of reason codes maybe from this issuer or uh, you know for this particular product that fall into these categories take a look at the business right long wait times at customer service will encourage people to call their bank instead of waiting online for you to potentially give them uh, a refund because to the consumer they really don't care I want my money back Right, and I'm going to get my money back one way or the other, either from the credit card company or ideally from from you, the merchant. But most people don't know that. And I think that to some extent, the the, the customer care experience that we've all had for for years in general is the reason behind that 84% of people that stat that Don quoted in the beginning of the presentation, that 84% of the, the folks don't uh, you know call the bank first instead of calling out uh, directly to uh, to the merchant and make sure that you're flexible with your your refund policy and your return policy i know you may have a no refund policy but if a person is taking the time to call you and has a legitimate you know hey i didn't use the service and you can look in your records and see that you didn't use the service be flexible give your customer care reps the ability to take care of that consumer right they they may not want it today they may be frustrated today in three months, six months, nine months, they may be happy, right? And they may come back. So, so do what you can to make sure that you have those uh, those good policies. And that goes to you know taking giving the customer care reps the the power to do things. The final thing that I would say here is you also want to make sure you're stopping the repeat offenders. And we work with businesses where you see people attempting to use either the same credit card with different email addresses over and over. Whether they're trying to to get a free trial repeatedly to use a given service or whether they're just trying to game the service in some way, you need to be able to, to have controls in place to see that that activity is occurring and then mitigate it, right? And slow down and stop or, or, or stop, right? Those, those repeat offenders, uh, in some cases, maybe by saying you can't sign up anymore, we're, we're done, right? Part of the fraud solution that Vendicia provides along with our, with our billing engine and platform is, is, is not just pre-transactionally, but post-transactionally, meaning we take a look at and factor into our fraud scoring mechanism on the front end. Has this credit card ever charged back before? Does it have a chargeback history? And if it does, well then I want to inform you, our client, this is the potential risk of taking on the subscription with this customer or selling to this customer. They seem to have a habit of charging back. So maybe there's an interstitial page or other things that you want to do in their particular signup experience right that's going to help ensure that they they stay uh, they stay with you as we talked about earlier in the presentation i know we're coming right up to the time here at the at the end of the webinar um a good a certain level of chargebacks is is inevitable right you don't want to be at zero and you do want to have uh, a healthy level of chargebacks we talked to customers about you know what does your buy flow look like we talked earlier in the presentation about you should be your own customer you should sign up for your service use your service try to refund it try to cancel it do all of the things that your customers would normally do we sit down with our clients as well and look at how much information are you collecting right are your cart abandonment rates high if so why right do you have a lengthy checkout process you know most people in the u.s uh, particularly or even around the world now we're all becoming very accustomed to the Amazon one-click buying experience, right? And it is, you know, it, it is the gold standard as far as I'm concerned. It's a beautiful experience. They know who I am. They have my information. I put something in my cart, bingo, and I'm done, right? Amazon is 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 the gold standard in terms of the checkout flow. To the extent that yours differs greatly from the experience that Amazon provides, consumers buy things from Amazon. They're used to that kind of quick and easy uh, buy flow. So it's one of the things that we look at to say, if you've got a high card abandonment rate, why, right? And it's it's, it's oftentimes because the, the way that that flow works at your checkout is, uh, it is, is maybe more onerous than it needs to be, okay? You also wanna build in those levers into the business, right? So that you can react if chargeback volumes do happen to spike, okay? So the example that I gave before was the, the gaming client, right, where they could you know, lower the fraud threshold, increase the fraud threshold, right? And it would affect their acquisition rates, which of course downstream affects their uh, their chart, their overall chargeback rates. You want to make sure that you've got, right, some things that you can do to help mitigate the chargeback volumes uh, on the back end, particularly when you see uh, spikes. Was there something that we that we did recently that is potentially attributing 
to this or con contributing to this uh, higher uh, chargeback rate that we see today? How can we change it? How do we modify it? How do we improve it so that we get all the benefits that we thought that change was originally going to bring us, right? But we don't get the negative consequences of, of uh, increased chargebacks over here. Okay, so that is. And if you go ahead to the to the next slide, uh, Don. Those are some of the things that we uh, that we talk to our clients about as we are deploying these solutions for them, right? Vendicia Subscribe is our subscriber management and billing platform that we offer here uh, at Vendicia, as well as our Vendicia Retain solution, which the, the logo should be painting in here in a moment. The Vendicia Retain solution uh, on the right-hand side, which is all about helping companies recover previously failed transactions. So you've got a good recycling strategy in place, you're doing your own retries, right? And then once, you know, even your own retries are going to fail at some point, give them from Indicia, let us use, right, the, uh, the algorithms and techniques that we've developed over, you know, the past 20 years or so of billing against credit cards and debit cards and see if we can't increase that success rate for you uh, overall on those transactions, okay? So it's a, it's, it's a good combination of, of solutions that complement each other well. And that's it. I know we're, we're two minutes over the time. Sorry about that, guys. We're okay, Trace. I think uh, um, it's been a lot of really good information. I've got one question for you. If somebody does have chargeback issues, uh, we do have contact information on the screen right now. Contact Trace, contact Harlan. Uh, either one of those guys can help you answer any questions that we weren't able to get to this afternoon. That was one of the questions, so we've answered that. If you do have any other issues that you uh, need or want to know more information about some of the Vendicia solutions or proper chargeback management, feel free to contact them. There's their information. We'll leave that on the screen for now. But I just want to say thanks for joining us today. Harlan, Trace, thanks for your expertise. We really appreciate the information. Absolutely. Do Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great to, to spend the time with you guys. Thanks everyone for attending. Thanks, Trace. Thanks, Don. Uh, you bet. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great day.